Good morning. I'm Siler Thomas. I'm here to present the uh, second to last lesson. We hope you will join us on Christmas Eve for the last lesson in this Lessons and Carol series. But we're looking at the Magi, the wise men, translated scholars. Uh, we sing about them as the, as the kings. So who are these folks? Who are these people? Uh, that, what, what, can, what can we know about them? Well, <clears throat> first one's easy, right? We know that there's three of them. We don't know that, actually. It doesn't say in the text that there's three of them. It just says that there were three gifts. And so it's always been depicted. Of course, in your nativity scenes, there's three of them there. But we don't know how many there were. So there were at least two and probably fewer than 3,000. That's, that's a good guess. Um, so we know that they were individuals of means. They, they brought expensive gifts. They had the means to make a long journey. We don't know sure, sure how far, but to travel any t- distance at that time with a group uh, would have required some financial means. They're likely well-educated, so they seem to be knowledgeable, knowledgeable about nature and astronomy. Uh, they're recognizing the uniqueness of this star, that it was like nothing else that had ever been recorded. And they're, they're clearly seekers of truth. They're, they're hungry to know God. They know the scriptures to have identified that what, what, what that's pointing to as well. And they want to meet this promised Messiah. They want to worship him. They had soft hearts towards God. They also must have been important because when they get to Jerusalem, they have an audience with the king. Maybe it was their wealth, maybe it was the offices that they held, or maybe it was just the the fact of their entrance into Jerusalem as strangers from another land. So there's any number of things that we could look at with these magi, but what I want to draw your attention to today is the contrast. The contrast between how these magi approach Jesus and how Herod approached Jesus. So you have the, the Magi, these learned men. They know the scriptures. They're, they're, they're putting the, the pieces together. And then along with these observations about this unique star that they're seeing, they, they go to worship the king. And then you have Herod. This is Herod the Great. He is not a Jewish leader, but he's put in power by the Romans. And he was not a nice Man, I read this about him uh, this week. It says, while Herod did execute one of his wives and three of his children, he was also a prolific builder who renovated and expanded the temple in Jerusalem. So, pretty generous take on him. Yeah, he's sure he killed one of his wives, but didn't kill them all, and only killed three of his children. And those renovations, they were, they were sharp. They were really sharp. So, uh, not, not a nice man. And he gets word that these men are looking for this king of the Jews. And the text specifically calls him Herod the king. I think to point out that Herod wasn't comfortable hearing about another king. So Herod is threatened. He's angry. He's disturbed so much so that uh, he wants, when when they don't report back where they were, he wants to kill every baby, every male child that was born there, just, just to make sure that no one else could get at his power. So he's a psychopath, right? And the worse his be- behavior becomes in the story, the easier it is for us to just dismiss it. Well, that guy's, that guy's crazy. But if you get to the heart of what's happening in the story, it's something that we all deal with from time to time. When you hear that someone else is good at what you do or who you are, when you, when you feel that nagging voice that creeps in that would say, well, what if he's better than you? How will you respond? 
Or when you get passed over for something that you think you deserve and, and someone else gets that notice or that whatever it is, what's your response? Are you threatened? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Or do you, do you lean into it and do you worship God in response? I remember when I first started here, um, I, I, was, I had an intern who came in. Great guy. I was so happy to have him. And uh, he hadn't done much teaching. And I gave him a chance to teach. And I'm like, wow, this guy is a great teacher. And I see him connecting with students. I'm like, boy, this guy's really connecting with students. And then he gets a job, a part-time job at the high school as a sub. And I hear people reporting back, oh, did you hear about Nick? Yeah, they're all talking about how Nick's the hot sub. This guy was so much better looking than me. And at some point, I just stop and go, what is going on? This guy is like, by the way, uh, yeah. So it, it, it was, it was, I'm like, I'm never, I'm never going to be better looking than this guy. I'm never going to teach better than this guy. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, what is wrong with me? And you get to this, and it, it's what I call the Buzz Lightyear problem, right? So if you haven't seen the, uh, the Toy Story movie, first thing you want to do is push that rock really hard that you've been living under. Why haven't you seen the Toy Story movies? But See the Toy Story, you understand the Buzz Lightyear problem, that when Woody shows up, he, uh, uh, sorry, when, 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 when Buzz Lightyear shows up for Woody, he has a decision to make, right? And he first feels like, what is going on? I'm being replaced. Someone's better than me. He's faster, he's shinier. And he tries to take him down. He tries to say, oh, come on, you're just a toy. And, you know, you, you get to the end of the first movie, and especially the second movie, what does Woody discover? What Woody discovers is the most important thing about him is that his owner has written his name on his boot. And the most important thing about us is that our maker has written his name on our hearts. We have been redeemed. We've, we've been transformed by the love of our Savior, and that's the most important thing. So we can feel threatened. We can also feel inadequate. That can happen uh, especially, I think, at Christmas time, especially with moms, is that uh, you, you, just, you feel like, I've got to do the, per- I've got to have the perfect Christmas. I have to do everything perfectly. And then you sort of hear, maybe you go visit, and you, you, you see that you're, what your siblings did for their kids, and you go, oh, I didn't get it. They, they got a better Christmas. You start comparing yourself. You, you, it, comparison is a losing game a hundred times out of a hundred it's never, it's just never going to end well when you start to compare. You take those inadequacies to God and realize, yeah, I, this is not the point of any of this. The point is to worship. And the most important thing that I can leave you with is the difference between what Herod does and what the Magi do. Herod, of course, he's, he feels inadequate. He feels threatened. He wants to kill this, you know, so-called king. And what do these important, learned men do? They worship Jesus. It's very specific. They, they don't go to, uh, you know, to, to, to take a selfie with the Messiah. They don't come to say, ah, oh, check that off my bucket list. I, I, I found the Messiah. No, what do they do? They worship. They discover this thing that was worthy of their worship. And they worship him. And that's what we will actually you know, be doing at the end of our service today. We will be uh, giving you an opportunity to worship God. And I believe that worship is the distinguishing characteristic of followers of Jesus. 
it's not primarily about how good we are. It's not primarily about how right we are. It's about humbling our hearts in response to God's love shown in Jesus. That's the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And if your faith in Jesus is just about being right or about checking a box and saying, well, I, I did my duty or I gave you know, enough money to get God off my back or I listened to the right sermon this week or I've got the right political ideals or whatever, anything, anything other than Jesus at the center as the focus of your life and the focus of your worship, then you're missing the point. This is something that many of us learned during COVID. Online worship services uh, are okay as a, a temporary solution to a pandemic. They're, they're, they're great for if you're traveling and being able to check in or for someone who's new to the, to the area or finding out what does our service look like. All of that, it's great for that, but it is not a permanent substitute for the people of God gathering to worship Him. And I remember some of us had the same experience when we had our first worship service outdoors. Um, I think it was you know, May or June of 2020. I remember being very emotional. I, I, I took for granted the joy of worshiping together. Now, of course, worship is more than singing, right? There's no evidence that the Magi brought an acoustic guitar with them and started strumming some tunes when they found Jesus. No, they knelt beside him, they offered their gifts, and they worshiped. And as we approach Christmas Eve, my challenge to you is to ask yourself, how is my life rejecting the selfishness demonstrated in King Herod and reflecting the worship of our Savior? And when we, when we care too much about ourselves, worship becomes something else. In fact, it's so easy for us to, to, to begin to worship ourselves. But when it's about Jesus, well, it's, then it's about Jesus. And what we think of ourselves doesn't matter much anymore. As the old song goes, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I want to say again, it's important that you worship. It doesn't really matter how you worship. Some of you are very comfortable worshiping, putting your hands up. And I would, I would say if you've never done it, I mean, the, the point isn't that you do it. You don't get extra brownie points. But we all do things with our bodies that inform what's going on inside of us, right? So when we go to sporting events, it's normal for us to use, because we're, it's, it's demonstrating what's happening inside. And so when we come into a worship time, and whether that's here or sometimes, you know, maybe just in the quietness of, of your, um, when, when, you, when you are still with God, that, that you would do something with your body, like taking your hands and just putting them here as a sign of surrender and submission to God. There's something powerful about when you do that, right? There, there, there is not, you cannot be a, a, a proud person and, and standing with, with your hands open. That is, that's a sign of, of, of submission. Or if you do, just the simple act of, of kneeling. Like you, when, you, when you kneel, you are... Just, just the, your body is doing something that is saying, I'm not in charge. I am, I am submitting to someone greater than me, which is what we see happen to the Magi. They, they bow 
before the Messiah. That, that's not something that, again, we, we, this is not something that, that, that we have to do. It's not about performing. It's not about anything other than whatever it is that you have to do to make yourself worship God, you have to do that because that's the center of what it means to follow Jesus is that we, we, we don't just ex- respect Jesus. We don't just admire Jesus. We don't just sort of check a box or pay homage, but we worship Jesus. Would you please pray with me? These, these wise men, these magi, Lord, they wisely bowed before you. And wise men and women today do, in fact, do the same. We bow before you. We submit our hearts to you, Jesus. We say, would you take all of our feelings of feeling threatened and what's going to happen to me and our feelings of inadequacy and how is this going to work out and what about all of the things that take up residency in our, in our brains and our hearts. And Lord, we, we say, would you take those, Lord? We want to be fully yours. We want to fully submit our hearts to you, to you, Jesus. This Advent, this Christmas, we want to be characterized by people who worship you. Amen.